Hello everybody, uh, this is Vicar Jared and I'm joined by my wife Emily once again for uh, another Bible in a Year podcast. Today we're going to be looking at Second uh, Timothy. Glad to have you on the episode, Emily. Glad to be here. Uh, so before we dive into Second Timothy, kind of in our normal uh, forum with the way we go at it, is to uh, look at the dates the, and the rulers that are kind of in power at this point. So first off, uh, 2 Timothy is written by Paul to one of his disciples, uh, Timothy. As we, if you recall, when we went over 1 Timothy, uh, Paul left Timothy uh, in the church in Ephesus. He, he had more mission work to do, and he kind of places somebody that he had, trust, uh, he had trusted to watch over this flock. It was somebody, a church that could easily fall to false teachings, as well as to false prophets and, and other gods. So as Paul leaves Timothy there, he goes off to do more uh, teaching, but ultimately gets arrested. Reason being is because at this point, the Roman Empire is, is under the reign of Nero. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Nero is a pretty bad guy. He, he rose to power in some less than reputable ways, and then once there, uh, kind of became fearful of everybody else around him as rulers tend to do and started killing off people who he felt maybe would want his power even if they didn't and this included family members uh, and if I'm not mistaken his wife. Uh, he, he was not somebody to be trifled with and one of the things that he stood against was Christianity because surprise surprise Christianity is not so much a fan of murder and deceit. So this book is, is written sometime before Paul's martyring under Nero. We assume that it was, again, probably some around, time around 68 AD because uh, Paul is martyred sometime in that year, if not sooner, if not a little bit later. But he writes to Timothy as sort of a last letter. It's his way of saying, come be with me if you can. Uh, I'm sending somebody to remain at the church in Ephesus as well as bring me some belongings, bring others to me. I have some final things that I wish to say to you. That kind of brings us up to, uh, to what is in 2 Timothy as far as what's, what's found in the book. So uh, I'll kind of turn it into the open forum here. Emily, what stuck out to you? Uh, I mean, something that I've noticed, I mean, in the past two, just reading the epistles, is the, like, flipped concept of starting off with who's writing it. Um, so, like, introducing yourself in your letter um, and then ending it with the goodbye. And I found that interesting because we're so used to, like, you start by addressing the person you're talking to nowadays. Um, but in this time, they probably don't have, like, postmark stamps and things like that. So you got to start off so they know who's writing the letter. Um, so... That threw me off because I know when I was younger reading these things, I would have assumed he was talking to Paul because that's who he says first. But Also, just the way in all these books that they kind of give themselves such a long title. It's not just, you know, from Paul as we do in letters today, but Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, according to the promise of the life that is in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a very long statement. Not to say it's a bad statement. I mean, it's very succinct and well stated, but it's definitely not how we do things today. Yeah, but it also shows that like his identity is rooted in Christ. He starts with his name and immediately goes into an apostle of Christ Jesus. Yep. I, mean, I mean, we can see through Paul's actions and his writings, his life was being an apostle. He was very much dedicated to it. So, I mean, it's who he was. Mm -hmm. 
Um, something else I noticed just like in that address and kind of going into the next couple verses is how like fondly he addresses Timothy and like you can tell he mm. misses him. Um, I mean, he's in prison too, so I'm sure he just misses being out um, and is thinking back fondly on this time um, and just how genuinely he um, has this connection with a fellow Christian, someone he's helped raise up in the church and establish. Um, and throughout the whole letter, even just that, I don't know, sincere connectedness. Um, and he even encourages towards the end for Timothy to ask like Mark for help and just this idea of like fellow Christians building each other up um, and supporting each other in their time of need and just being able to lean on each other. Yeah, 100%. And as we've said before, uh, these epistles are, are namely to point Timothy, but also all believers to how to live an upright life in the church. And, and one, one of the key points of that is in the church. We're not called to be upright only in our homes alone. We're not called to be upright only in our, in our jobs. We're called to be upright in all times, but also in the community of believers to support one another. And that's exactly what Paul is doing here. He's, he's asking for support, but he's also supporting Timothy. It's not like it's just a plea, come and help me, Timothy. He's giving advice. He's, he's showing that he cares for Timothy, but he's also saying, hey, this is hard, you know, I'm being imprisoned. I might be put to death. Can you can you come bring uh, some others with you? Can you come bring some things to me? I have some things that need to be said. Yeah, I find it interesting. Like it's it's fairly clear throughout this reading how Paul is pretty certain he's gonna die soon because of his situation. And um, regardless of how he personally feels about it, it is so clear that he finds comfort in his salvation and in, um, Christ's return. I mean, he repeatedly talks about the day, capital D day, um, in which Christ will return in a positive way, not, not fearful. So like there's comfort that no matter what situation you're in, that, you know, heaven's there waiting for you. Mm -hmm. I also liked, um, in one verse 12, he, um, talks about how he, um, is able to, or how God guards, um, what he has to do until the day what he has been entrusted, that idea that God gives us a role here on earth to, you know, we, we get to be a part of God's plan. It's a privilege that we get to be a part of it. But, you know, we're humans, we're sinners. We might not be able to carry that out. But regardless of what we do, God will carry it out. His plan's going to happen no matter what we do or don't do. Um, and that's, that's helpful to know that, like, we help, but, you know, it's not like we're going to ruin God's plans ourselves. Yeah. Yeah, I found it interesting, and in reading this, uh, you as the, the listener, when you read through Second Timothy yourself, you'll find that it's it's only, you know, six pages if you're using the study Bible, and probably only maybe two if you're reading it in a, in a normal Bible. But in that in that very short amount of time in this letter to Timothy, uh, Paul shows that he is focused on God's plan, and he's focused on Christ. Uh, to put this into perspective, in this short time, Paul states in Christ seven times. In, in such a short letter, he's focused in Christ. It shows just how powerful the message is that it's all about Christ. It's not about Paul. It's not about Timothy. It's not about what they're doing. It's about Christ and what Christ is doing through them. Yeah, he really is good about bringing everything back to the greater message of it all and the larger point why we're doing all of this um yeah he's, he's very good at staying focused on that 
Um, I also, like, with this whole, like, encouraging Timothy um, in, like, the second chapter and everything, and really in all of it, I find it interesting the way he, um, like, gives these reminders to Timothy of, like, what it means to be a good pastor, essentially. Um, and especially, like, in four, he talks about, like, making sure you're teaching, you're rebuking, you're not being hot-headed, you're not getting involved in, like, petty disputes and arguments and all these things. And I just find it interesting because, like, I mean, I'm sure Timothy knows this already, um, but this idea of, like, giving reminders um, because, you know, even if you've read your Bible, you've read the Ten Commandments, you know what the Ten Commandments are, you might slip up, and it's good for people to remind you, hey, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Um, and it made me think of a verse from the Second Peter reading, because in Second Peter 1.12, he says, therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth you have. And this idea that we need to remind each other about what, what needs to be done, because no matter how good of a person or how good of a Christian you are, you might slip up or, you know, lose focus and change your priorities. And that's part of that community building that we have is we're able to kindly remind each other, hey, maybe that's not what we're supposed to be doing here. Mm -hmm. And there's nothing wrong with that. Got to keep each other on track. Yeah, and especially, I, again, it, it's important to kind of think about these in a, in a contextual sort of setting history, as well as how it applies to us. So for Paul writing to Timothy, it's important to be in a community and kind of test your mettle, so to speak, against mm -hmm. one another and test it against scripture because these are some, you know, churches in their infancy. Very easy to throw off and say, oh, well, you know, so-and-so is speaking confidently. That must be the truth. That's not the case, and, and that applies to today. It can be very easy to, get, to meet somebody who's charismatic, who, who speaks confidently and say, well, if they're confident in what they're saying, it must be true. It all needs to come back to Scripture, and that's why Paul points us, in, and again, in Christ, we need mm -hmm. to constantly be thinking about everything that we're hearing, everything that we're doing, through the lens of Christ, through scripture, and through our faith. Yeah, and I mean, for good reason, the verses are famous, at least I'm familiar with them growing up, that idea that all scripture is God-breathed and profitable for teaching and preaching and so on. Um, this idea of how, you know, we need to be familiar with the word of God so that we can catch the people who are trying to lead us astray and maybe they're charming, but they're not preaching what's in the Bible. And we need to do what we're doing here with this Bible in a Year program. Read through the Bible regularly, study it, understand it, so that if someone's saying something that's off base, you can be certain on that and know that we got to follow the Bible. This person's off because, I mean, even in chapter 3 here, he's warning Timothy, there are going to be people who are going to deny you and deny the Bible and even that, lead people astray, persecute you, but you have and hopefully continue to stay firm in the preaching here yeah and even as as believers um well to plug the ever wise pastor kale in looking through these scripture verses and uh and and thinking about well the bible in the year scripture that gets pulled out of here one of these things is talking about that's uh, verse 13 in chapter 3 talking about uh, while evil people, people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
as we talked about this in the office, this is, this is a very important uh, implication for Christians, not only in the fact that uh, we have people who will seek to overthrow or destroy the church, but also as Christians, we need to feel you know true sympathy for this because it's not so much that people will do you know bad things, which they will, but the fact that they're being deceived and going even deeper into that deception, being led astray even farther themselves from the truth. And as Christians, it's our job to bring people to Christ, not allow them to sink deeper into their sin and, and unknowing. Yeah, I mean, I kind of narrowed in on that verse for a while too when I was reading, and I, I thought about it a slightly different way, not, not against that, but more so like, you know, we will be persecuted, but almost as a reminder that it might be tempting to join the world, but they're all just fighting each other and fighting each other. And like, you know, it might be tempting to go have fun and live in the world, but everyone's just tearing each other down anyway. So I'd rather be on the side where at least my own people are here to support me, even if the world's trying to tear me down. That was kind of the way I looked at it. It's kind of a reminder where, you know, it's not so great being in the world in actuality. But yeah, we should feel bad for those people because they're stuck in it without a realization of anything being better. Yeah, I think that Paul's uh, sort of life here is, is particularly important because as you said, there are people who are living a maybe good worldly life. Yeah, from, hear me right. They're living maybe a good life in worldly standards mm -hmm. and, and not knowing Christ. Paul, I mean... He's lived a hard life. If you look at the life of Paul, it was extremely hard, but he continued to live in Christ. And now we see somebody brought completely low, brought to, to the, the pits of life, in prison, facing death. And I still read these verses of somebody who has hope, who is at peace. There are people who live worldly good standards, having what the world says they need to have, and they don't have peace or hope. They have the draw for the next thing, the next fix, whatever that might look like, but they don't have this peace that hope that Paul has. And the reason he has it is Christ. Mm -hmm. That's it's a powerful message just in the, the nature of Paul. Yeah, and earlier in um, chapter 3, he's talking about um, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. And he lists all of these sins about love of self and all these uh, sins. Um, and I think about how, like, looking at the Bible, I feel like every time period, people think they're in end times, you know, but actually, you know, we have no idea when it's going to be. And truly, I don't think we're in the end times. But I was just looking through that list of all these things and this whole, uh, as a teacher, the disobedient to their parents thing stuck out to me. And this idea that, you know, like, things are just going to keep getting worse. I mean, where they're at now, I mean, they're just going to keep going. But, I mean, they're sinners of all times. And we need to stay firm in this hope of Christ and the Bible that we aren't brought low by, you know, the sin of the world, but to find comfort in the hope of salvation. As one sort of interesting, I don't have any deep theological reason for, for having a note on it, but it's something I'd like to share with both you, Emily, and, and the hearer, if you look at chapter 4, uh, verse 14, 
Uh, it says, Alexander the coppersmith did me great harm, and the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. Again, there's not a huge theological implication here, but it's interesting that his name is included because Paul, again, somebody who's been persecuted thoroughly, his, he's been you know, chased down by a lot of different people. But Alexander is somebody who, if I'm not mistaken, is, is spoken about twice by Paul as somebody who has done him great harm. And I just it stops me in my tracks for a second to think that Paul would speak of somebody by name for doing harm and what that must look like. Because I have to imagine Alexander didn't simply persecute him, but did something to greatly set back the mission of Paul and the church and Christ ultimately. Yeah, I mean, looking at the notes in the Lutheran Study Bible, it talks about how he was like against the message of Paul, and he's referenced in 1 Timothy 1.20 um, as being a blasphemer. So this idea of an already hostile environment under Nero, having these people, you know, turn on you and be against you, which, you know, only makes things worse in an already hard situation. I really was drawn to the part of like, you know, the Lord will repay him according to his deeds. And this idea of like, you know, someone is against you or they do you harm, kind of just got to move on with it and put it in, it's in God's hands, you know? I mean... I'm sure he's, I hope that he's not hoping for any earthly harm to this person. Maybe he is, no. but this idea of like, I mean, God will take care of this situation. There's not much more he can do about it. Yeah, in, in kind of reading some commentaries, and that's part of why I found this so interesting, is, is it speaks again to the faith of Paul. Because yeah. he doesn't say, you know, go pursue this individual and, and do away with him or, or find worldly justice. He understood that whatever it was that this individual has done, it's not in Paul's hands. Paul's job is to proclaim the word and it comes down to God to decide what justice is. Yeah, and that can be hard. What like, I just think so often when I look at Paul's life and how much he sacrificed, how many times he went to prison, how many times he probably was spit on and whatever. Stoned. Yeah, I mean, all of this work he put in his entire life and then to have people come and tear you down or set back your mission or pull people away from you. And I can't even imagine how frustrating that must be for him. But it's also a testament to how powerful his message is and how comforting um, that he's able to go on and that he doesn't just give up. <laughs> and again, I feel like it all goes back to that idea of community. I mean, we are meant to be creatures of relationship. God never intended for us to be isolated. Um, so it goes back to like, I mean, in these hard times of separation with, you know, COVID shutting down events and keeping people away from each other, finding ways to keep those relationships strong especially Christ-focused relationships, um, is so important for us to be able to keep going. Yep. Well, Emily, do you have any other uh, thoughts from this, this text before we move on to our five main takeaways and our conclusion? Um, I mean, one last verse that I pulled out is one that I thought was good to remember is when he said, the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed. And if that rescue means going home to heaven or whatever it means, we know that God's there for us and... I think he, he really points that out well here. Yeah, well put. Well, here, as you know, we end these uh, Bible in a Year podcast episodes with sort of five main takeaways that you can look for 
uh, both in the text, but also then as you kind of mull over it and digest it, kind of consider how it affects you in your life. So first takeaway is rejoice and struggle as a church. We've said it multiple times here that things happen, good and bad. God blesses us with many great things, but also we're called. Our vocation is to share the word of Christ and the world doesn't often accept that. It doesn't want to hear it, so there's going to be struggles. But make sure whether it be rejoicing or struggling, you do it as a community. You don't face that alone. You don't rejoice alone. You don't struggle alone. Uh, second, know that your strength is Christ's strength. doesn't matter what it is that you face. It is Christ's strength that sustains you. He has called you and redeemed you. And as Paul shows here, it is Christ's strength that, that keeps you going. It gives you hope and peace to face whatever it is that you have to face. Uh, three, be confident and patient in your faith. Uh, in those times of struggle, it can be easy to kind of think, well, if I just stray a little bit, it'll be easier. If I just bend a little bit here, it'll be easier. Know your faith. Be confident in what you believe and know what it is that Scripture has to say and remain in it because ultimately Christ has saved you. And as we said, even if it's maybe not in a day or a year, maybe it's just getting to be in his kingdom, he has claimed you, redeemed you, and maintain that faith. Uh, fourth, God's word is sort of our, our measure. It's, it's the plumb line, so to speak. Make sure that you, you be in scripture. Paul talks to Timothy throughout saying, this is how you should be a child of God, how you should share the word and how you should be sure that the church continues to grow, that others get to see Christ through your actions. So, so don't hesitate to use scripture as your, your guiding line as you go out into the world. And then finally, the fifth one, remain faithful to a God who is faithful. It, it can be challenging sometimes to remain faithful, but ultimately, uh, we've said it before on this podcast, scripture is not a book about God's people. It is a book about God and how he uses his people and how he remains with his people. And ultimately, that's what he does. He remains. He remains faithful. He continues to be with his people and lead his people. And we are his people. So as God is faithful to you, remain in that faithfulness to him. I hope you enjoy 2 Timothy, and I hope that it's uh, as enriching and nourishing for you as it was for myself, and I hope for, for Emily. Uh, Emily. Blessings on your, on your reading and your listening, and I hope to see you on Sunday as we dive into 2 Timothy.